Hello, my rebels. Today, I want to read to you a very short apology that I received from a liar, really. I mean, that's part of her apology is she confesses she lied. It, it's, it's unusual for a liar to admit it until they're absolutely painted into a corner, but I want to share it with you. Um, I'm glad I got this apology, even though, frankly, it's, it's worthless because it's from a liar. She was probably lying when she gave it to me, but it, I learned a lot about why she was lying and who paid for her to lie, I think you'll find that very interesting. Um, before I get to that, let me invite you to get to the video version of this podcast. You can get that by going to rebelnews.com and just clicking subscribe. It's eight bucks a month. Get the video version of this show. Every week, Sheila Gunn Reed has a show. David Menzies has a show. Andrew Chapados has a show. And of course, the eight bucks a month goes to pay our bills, which we need help because unlike this liar, we don't get paid by the federal government. All right, here's today's show. Tonight, Justin Trudeau's smear merchants issue a rare apology for lying about rebel news. But that doesn't mean they're gonna stop. It's April 27th, and this is the Ezra Levant Show. Why should others go to jail Why? when you're a biggest carbon consumer I know? There's 8,500 customers here, and you won't give them an answer. The only thing I have to say to the government about why I publish it is because it's my bloody right to do so. Yesterday, I received an apology from someone named Elizabeth Simons. It's very short. Let me read it to you. She says, I've deleted a tweet that suggested the Christchurch terrorist was incited by Rebel News to commit violence. I did not have evidence to support that and apologize to Rebel News. That apology went up on Twitter yesterday. She had made those disgraceful, defamatory accusations against us back in December, more than four months ago. I'm not going to read her original smear. It was so gross. And as you can see, even she admits she just made the whole thing up. There's a word for someone like that. She's a liar. I asked her to apologize and correct it months ago. She refused. It was only after I sued her that she grudgingly admitted that she lied about the whole thing. She simply made it up. She didn't have any evidence other than her own hatred. What a hateful little woman. And she only gave up that hate when she realized that if she didn't admit she's a liar now, a judge would probably come to that conclusion a year from now, and that would be worse. She was holding onto her hatred for me and Rebel News so tightly, it was only that fear that made her apologize, fear and hatred. And I tell you that because you're not gonna believe this, She's the deputy director of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. I know you think I must be kidding. Someone so full of hatred like Elizabeth Simons that she would baselessly accuse someone of being a terrorist. I mean, someone who hates so deeply that she hangs on to a lie for four months knowing she made it up. That's the deputy director of something called the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. Surely that's got to be an ironic joke. Well, it's not a joke, but it is deliberately deceptive. Just like the phrase Antifa, 
You know that's actually short for anti-fascist? But we've all watched how Antifa, in fact, are the new fascists. They dress in black. They go out at night and burn and riot and loot. That's fascism because they do it for their hard left-wing politics. But it's not a joke that they call themselves Antifa. It's disinformation. It's misdirection. It's to throw their critics off balance. So that when you say, wow, look at those fascist street thugs, they say, well, you must be wrong because we call ourselves Antifa. We can't be fascist. No, you are. You're just lying about your name. Same thing here. Some of Canada's most hateful extremists on the left have created this lobby group called the Canadian Anti-Hate Network in precisely the same manner. Their name is false advertising. Even the word Canadian in their name is false. There is no real Canadian support for these smear merchants. People don't like liars much. They were literally started with a grant from a U.S. smear group that specializes in accusing conservatives of being racist. Here's the TVO story about how they were starting. Let me quote. While they're still fundraising for a set of permanent research staff, they've received a startup grant from the SPLC. That's the Southern Poverty Law Center. It's an American political war room with a sordid history of just making up smears too. For example, there's this wonderful progressive Muslim broadcaster and activist in the United Kingdom named Majid Nawaz. I've mentioned him before, especially on my Noon Hour live show. He's very pro-Western, very fair-minded. He's against radical Islam. I really like him. Well, the SPLC smeared him And they called him, you guessed it, a terrorist. They're a little bit Islamophobic over there at the SPLC. Well, he sued them, and they were stubborn at first, just like their Canadian branch plant was. But then the SPLC gave him a groveling apology and one of the largest defamation settlements I've ever seen. Let me quote from the SPLC's website. As part of our settlement, we have paid $3.375 million dollars to Mr. Nawaz and Quilliam to fund their work to fight anti-Muslim bigotry and extremism. It looks like the SPLC and their Canadian branch plant still haven't learned. So who is this Canadian anti-hate network that is actually an American hate network? Who is this Elizabeth Simons who smeared us? I should tell you, that she isn't just full of hatred and she isn't just a deep-seated liar. I think she's a bit of a coward too. She hid from us when we tried to sue her. And when we found her, she put up that apology tweet very briefly, just long enough to take a screenshot of it for later use. And then she deleted it and shut down her whole Twitter account from which she had smeared us. What a weird little coward. What a weird thing to do. I demanded that she put the account on Twitter back up and republish that apology and keep it up for at least 90 days. I'm pleased to say that in the last 24 hours since she did acquiesce to my demands, according to Twitter analytics, my tweets about her grudging apology have been seen more than one million times. So her attempt to hide her disgrace was foiled. But look, it's not illegal for Elizabeth Simons to be a coward or to be full of hatred, although she argues for people to be jailed for their hatred. Look, those are human emotions, and they shouldn't be criminalized. But what Elizabeth Simons tried to do to me in Rebel News, she's done time and again to any conservative in Canada that she hates. And by that, I mean 
she smears them as extremist or, or violent or racist. She'll even suggest terrorism if she thinks she can get away with it. For example, those gentle souls at Grace Life Church out in Edmonton, I don't think Elizabeth Simons has ever been there. I'm pretty sure she hasn't. But she said that people who support them are extremists and racists. Here's an example in an Airdrie newspaper, but I've seen this elsewhere. She said, it would be accurate to say that the event attracted far-right and right-wing conspiracy-minded individuals for sure, said Elizabeth Simons, the deputy director of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, who was monitoring the crowd. I, I actually think that's a lie, too. I don't think she was even there to monitor the crowd. The thing is, now that we know she's a confessed liar, you really can't trust anything she says, even basic facts, can you? I'll quote some more. Two months ago, hundreds of anti-mask and lockdown protesters marched the streets of Edmonton and chanted, no more fake news and no more fake science, Simon said. Hang on. You, Elizabeth, just admitted to creating a fake news story about Rebel News. You just admitted to making it all up. And you wonder, you wonder why people call you fake news? I guess it stings, right? Or look at this. She also smeared the pro-oil patch folks at United We Roll. And look at this. She smeared the Wexit folks as racist. She said people who are against lockdowns and extreme pandemic measures are racist. I, I get the, the feeling she calls anyone she doesn't like a racist. Let me quote. According to Simons, far-right and white nationalist groups and supporters are directly involved in organizing many similar rallies across Canada. It's hugely concerning seeing this trend right across the country, she said. She just calls everyone racist. And she even says that there are plans to have a terrorist-style attack on Parliament, not by Muslim terrorists who actually did attack Parliament, you might recall a few years back, but by conservatives. Are you noticing a trend here? Ever since that U.S. hate group, the SPLC, set up this ironically named Canadian Anti-Hate Network, they've been smearing Canadian conservatives as racist and violent. Here they are smearing the Manning Foundation. That's Preston Manning's group. It's hardly right-wing, really. And here they are attacking the Conservative Party of Canada itself. Look, I haven't read every word on their hate site, but they only seem to accuse conservatives and Christians of hate, and me too, I'm Jewish, but never leftists, including the troubling wave of anti-Semitic hate on the left. And in terms of extremism, they don't have a lot to say about extremist Islamic-inspired terrorism, or even Sikh extremists or Tamil Tiger extremists, none of that. It's almost as if they only exist to smear, you know, Justin Trudeau's enemies and no one else. And it appears that way because they signed a contract with Trudeau to do so. And I have a copy of that contract right here for $268,000 of your tax money. Trudeau's Heritage Department, that's the one run by Stephen Gilbo, the convicted criminal, the would-be censor, he gave these little haters, including Elizabeth Simons, 
$268,000 explicitly to smear Trudeau's enemies. I'll take you through the contract. You can see right there at the top, it's a contract between the government of Canada and the Canadian Anti-Hate Network. And if you look at paragraph two, you can see the amount, $268,400. And the purposes are described in Annex A of the contract, so it's an attachment. Um, let's go there now. The Canadian Anti-Hate Network, this is what they're being paid to do, will increase the organization's capacity to counter online hate by hiring 14 members to carry out the monitoring of extreme right groups, report on their activities, and file complaints with law enforcement? It'll educate the public as to these groups and the damage they create? So... so the government of Canada, Justin Trudeau and Stephen Gilboa are using tax dollars to pay this anti-hate group to, to spy on people? Because that's what they are doing. I just quoted from Elizabeth Simons, the confessed liar. She wasn't uh, monitoring the Grace Life Church online. She was spying on what people who actually went to the church in support of the church we're doing. See, that's not an extreme right group. They're, they're a church, um, people of all political stripes are there. I went to that church, lots of hugs. No one actually talked politics at all when I was there. There was certainly no hate, except for the Canadian Anti-Hate Network and Elizabeth Simons hating the church. But you saw the contract. It wasn't just to spy on their fellow citizens. It was to gin up fake complaints to police uh, against the church, against oil patch supporters in the United We Roll, uh, against Wexit supporters. Justin Trudeau is literally paying private operatives with tax dollars to spy on his political enemies and to smear them in the media and to interfere in the legal and police processes to gin up complaints and stir up strife. Justin Trudeau is paying dirty tricksters like the confessed liar Elizabeth Simons to smear his political enemies. She tried to do it to me, and I fought back, and they all admitted they're a bunch of character assassins who just made it all up. But, but you saw who else they're smearing who haven't fought back. This, this is not my theory. This is in the contract, and you paid for this through more than a quarter million of your tax dollars. I'll read some more. Description of activities proposed by the recipient. Monitoring members, supporters, and activities of hate groups. Reporting findings through networks and 10,000 Facebook and Twitter groups. What does that mean? Preparing and publishing profiles on hate groups and important influencers and holding three workshops in Ontario, Alberta, and British Columbia carried out online. So they're going to smear important influencers, eh? You bet they are. Just type in any conservative leader into their website, and you'll see that if it's someone that Justin Trudeau hates, the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is going to call them racist. That's what they're hired to do. Can you imagine if Stephen Harper or Jason Kenney gave a quarter million tax dollars to some unaccountable lobby group to smear his enemies? to stir up strife, to file spurious police reports, to 
go around demonizing Harper's enemies or Kennedy's enemies as racists or, or terrorists. That's what happened to me. Elizabeth Simons, the deputy director who personally profited from this $268,000 grant, she knew exactly what her masters wanted from her. They wanted her to lie and smear and defame and discredit me and Rebel News. Read the contract, it's all in there. And so she did. And when faced with the prospect of being sued and going to trial, only then did she admit that she just lied and made the whole thing up all along. She knew she had no evidence, but she was paid to lie. That, that really is her job. Now, if someone here at Rebel News had made such a staggering and malicious smear against someone, knowing they had no evidence, calling someone a terrorist, and then hid from accountability for months, I really think we'd have to fire that person. But of course, that, that's because we don't call people terrorists unless we have evidence they're terrorists. We're pretty careful with that. And if someone brings it to our attention that we're wrong, we, we look at it immediately and correct it immediately if we're wrong. But the reason why the confessed liar, Elizabeth Simons, has not in fact been fired from the Canadian Anti-Hate Network is that she did nothing wrong other than she got caught. I mean, look at this notorious board of directors of the Canadian Anti-Hate Network, including Richard Warman, the disgraced censor who turned the Canadian Human Rights Commission into his own personal piggy bank by prosecuting his personal enemies for profit. His misconduct is why Parliament actually voted to remove the censorship power from the Canadian Human Rights Commission. There's Kurt Phillips, who we at Rebel News exposed as an antifist supporter. He's a coward too, he was doing it in a hidden capacity, we revealed him. This is a group of haters who started their little corporation with American money and now keep it going with Trudeau's money, that is with your money. So that's why Elizabeth Simons hasn't been fired for lying. That's their business. Justin Trudeau isn't against hate. He's a financier of hate. Ask Elizabeth Simons, ask this board of directors. They're not against disinformation. They're a producer of disinformation. And Elizabeth Simons, the confessed liar, still has her job there with the support of that entire rotten board. And you bet they'll get their government grant against next year. They'll get their grant and probably even more. There's no money for our Canadian Armed Forces veterans, by the way. My name is Brock Blaschek. I'm a retired corporal with the Princess Patricia Canadian Line Infantry out here in Edmonton, 1st Battalion. I served, in, uh, I served in the Canadian Armed Forces for seven years. Uh, I deployed in Afghanistan back in 2009 um, until April 3rd, where I was obviously severely wounded by a roadside bomb or improvised explosive. Um, as you can see, I've lost my left leg. I have 58% soft tissue loss and 88% nerve damage on my right leg. Um, back in August, 20, uh, August 24th, 2015, you made the promise, and I'll quote it here, 
No veteran will be forced to fight their own government for the support and compensation they have earned. Um, yet you are still currently in a legal battle with veterans regarding equal support and compensation to their peers. You have ISIL or ISIS members coming into a reintegration program. You did a backdoor deal with Omar Qadar with not even stepping into the courtroom. Because honestly, Mr. Prime Minister, I was prepared to be injured in the line of duty when I, went to, when I joined the military. Nobody forced me to join the military. I was prepared to be killed in action. What I wasn't prepared for, Mr. Prime Minister, is Canada had, turning its back on me. On a couple of elements you brought up. First of all, uh, why are we still uh, fighting against certain uh, veterans groups in court? Uh, because uh, they're asking for more than we are able to give right now. Yeah, you see our veterans are asking for more than Trudeau will give them, but confessed liars like Elizabeth Simons and the Canadian Anti-Hate Network who falsely smear Trudeau's personal enemies, oh, Trudeau has plenty of taxpayers' cash for them. Stay with us for more. personally raped, cut off ears, cut off heads. The accusations that John Kerry made against the veterans who served in Vietnam was just devastating. Randomly shot at civilians. And it hurt me more than any physical wounds I had. Cut off limbs, blown up bodies. That was part of the torture, was uh, to sign a statement that you had committed war crimes. Raised villages in fashion reminiscent of Genghis Khan. John Kerry gave the enemy for free what I and many of my uh, comrades in, in North Vietnam in the prison camps uh, took torture to avoid saying. It demoralized us. Crimes committed on a day-to-day -day basis. He betrayed us in the past. How could we be loyal to him now? Ravaged the countryside of South Vietnam. He dishonored his country and, uh, more importantly, the people he served with. He just sold them out. Swift Boat Veterans for Truth is responsible for the content of this advertisement. Well, that was a devastating ad run almost 20 years ago by John Kerry's colleagues, the men who served with him in Vietnam, every one of them calling him a disloyal man and a liar, a devastating ad that undid his attempt to run as a patriotic veteran. Uh, of course, John Kerry denounced the United States many times during the Vietnam War. I made a big show of throwing away his medals in disgrace. It should therefore come as no surprise. This story, which I'm reading from Breitbart.com, Republicans demand investigation, resignation of John Kerry for allegedly leaking secrets to Iran. And that's such a shocking allegation that it would almost be incredible were it not for the fact that that is exactly what John Kerry has done for 50 years of his career. And more importantly, there is audio tape obtained by the New York Times that seems to corroborate it. Joining us now via Skype from the Los Angeles area is our friend Joel Pollack of Breitbart.com. Joel, great to see you again. Um, I see two different responses by Joel, uh, uh, 
by John Kerry. One is to deny it, as he does on Twitter. The other is a State Department spokesman, Ned Price, saying, oh, no, no, this is all publicly known. There's no secrets here. You're trying to blow up a nothing story. So which is it? Is he denying it? Or as Ned Price of the State Department says, oh, this is all old, old hats. Well, the fundamental problem of this story is that John Kerry was meeting with Javad Zarif at all. And this has been controversial going back several years. President Donald Trump at the time said that Kerry should be investigated under the Logan Act. The Logan Act is an archaic law that prevents private citizens from conducting diplomacy. It's never really enforced. However, the Department of Justice did enforce it when they investigated National Security Advisor Michael Flynn. So it was good enough to use against Michael Flynn to undermine the Trump administration. And it is certainly then applicable to John Kerry's flirtations with the Iranian foreign minister. This happened, these conversations, at a time when Kerry was no longer Secretary of State and he was reassuring the Iranian regime that they should hang in there, wait out the four years of Donald Trump, and they would get a more sympathetic democratic administration after 2020. So those conversations never should have been happening. Now we hear through this leaked audio recording of an interview between Javad Zarif and an Iranian economist about what was actually said in those meetings. And according to Zarif, Kerry revealed that there had been 200 covert Israeli operations inside Syria. Now, I'm not sure that the Iranian regime didn't know that because the targets of Israel's covert operations would certainly have been Iranian troops or advisors or Iranian-backed militias in Syria. So I'm not sure it came as news to the Iranian regime. The State Department is also apparently relying on the fact that some of these covert operations were made public. In fact, they uh, have cited or Kerry has cited some newswire reports in his own defense saying that Israel had made these covert operations known or they had been reported by news agencies. But that doesn't answer the question for us of timing. When did these news reports come out? Did they come out after Kerry spoke to Zarif or before? If they came out before Kerry spoke to Zarif, well, then Zarif just doesn't read the news enough because if he had just read the news, he would have known this information. But if these reports came out after Kerry spoke to Zarif, then we have to ask a very serious question about whether Kerry was leaking classified information or at the very least uh, betraying an ally to one of our most determined enemies to the Iranian regime. And that's why Republicans are calling for Kerry's resignation. We've never really had a satisfactory answer from John Kerry as to what he was doing canoodling with the Iranian regime, which is still shouting death to America at a time when his party happened to be out of power, but that does not give him an excuse. And Kerry now is the climate czar going around the world, flying around the world on private planes, trying to tell everybody else how to live their lives. But this is an example of him, again, being willing to sell out the national interest for the sake of his party and, and really for his own vanity. Yeah, I think there's a, a lot of all of those things there. And I, and I say again, the accusations that he made against America in Vietnam, the smears against America in Vietnam, all of which were refuted by the men who served with him on his very boat. I, I think the reason that ad 20 years ago was so effective is because it, it was so convincing. John Kerry can't be trusted was one of the taglines of those ads. I, I think the same character flaws he showed in Vietnam 
He showed in dealing with Iran, uh, you use the word leak, leaking the info about Israeli special operations. I, the word leak feels fairly passive. Oh, he leaked it to a journalist to get some press. But to actually leak that information to an enemy, to the target of Israel's operations, to the threatener of America, Israel, and all the moderate Sunni Gulf nations, seems much more than a leak. It, it almost rises to the level of, I don't even want to say the word espionage, but when you're telling your enemy about secret operations that your side has done, that's far worse than a leak. I'm, I think it's astonishing. Has Joe Biden or the White House weighed in on this in any way, or are they just staying quiet on it? Uh, they're staying quiet. They have said they're not going to comment on leaks. But you raise an interesting point, and you reminded me about something else. If you have access to classified information, if you have security clearance, you're not allowed to comment on something even after it becomes public. As long as the information in that public disclosure is still considered classified, you can't comment on it. You're not home free just because it was reported in a newspaper somewhere. So the questions need to be asked and answered, and they can't just dismiss it by saying we're not interested in leaks. All the media go on are leaks. That's what journalism is about is leaks. So if you can't answer questions based on leaks, you're not answering any questions. This is a very serious problem. We have John Kerry, who has been playing footsie with the Iranian regime, and this is a regime bent on the destruction of Israel. They're developing ballistic missiles to threaten our allies in Europe and perhaps to threaten us. They have attacked Americans in the past. They've been responsible for the roadside bombs that killed hundreds of Americans in Afghanistan and Iraq and other places. So this is a very serious problem. And the State Department is not going to be able to duck it forever. I mean, they can try. Uh, but there will be one or two reporters who stick it out, we hope, maybe Matt Lee of the Associated Press. And of course, uh, those of us at Breitbart, Matt Lee, of course, notorious for asking very pointed questions from administration to administration in the State Department briefings. I, I think he's going to come back to this question quite frequently. It's just not good enough to tell us that the information is leaks or some of what was leaked was classified. It's not good enough. Why is John Kerry talking about an ally to our enemy? Yeah. That's just so shocking. You know, it it makes me think, I mean, John Kerry is in the twilight of his, his life. I was slightly surprised when he got the post considering his age. But heck, if Joe Biden can be president, anyone can be uh, his climate envoy. I think so much of it is he, he's trying to rewrite the final headlines of his legacy. Uh, so much of Donald Trump's uh, foreign policy was a rebuke to and a correction of John Kerry. China being a huge part of that, global warming a huge part, and Iran and the Middle East perhaps most triumphantly for Trump. I, I think if any other president had presided over the Abraham Accords, that's what was called the peace deals between Israel and the United Arab Emirates, Israel and Bahrain, Israel and Sudan, Israel and Morocco, Israel and all these, like it's, any one of those peace deals would have been a Nobel Peace Prize, let alone three, four, five, and it's a warm peace. Let me play for you a clip of John Kerry about a decade ago saying, if Israel didn't give in to Palestinian totalist demands, peace in the Middle East was impossible. Here, take a look at this. There will be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab world. I want to make that very clear to all of you. I've heard several prominent politicians in Israel sometimes saying, well, the Arab world's in a different place now. We just have to reach out to them and we can work some things with the Arab world. And 
We'll deal with the Palestinians. No, 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 and no. I can tell you that reaffirmed even in the last week as I have talked to leaders of the Arab community. There will be no advance and separate peace with the Arab world without the Palestinian process and Palestinian peace. Everybody needs to understand that. That is a hard reality. So I think, Joel, that some of what John Kerry does, he believes in. But a lot of what he does, I think, is in the twilight of his life, trying to correct how history views him, even though he was so clearly rebuked on just about every issue, most painfully for him by, by Trump, who did better than him on all these issues. I think that that's what part of this Iran obsession by him is. He wants to uh, deal with Iran to, to scupper Trump's foreign policy. I don't know. Maybe I'm getting too psychoanalytic here. But I think, that, I think that's how you got to be with someone as weird as John Kerry. I think John Kerry's always viewed himself as better than other Americans. So that's why he was able to criticize the Vietnam War, even though he had been decorated during that war. That's why he goes and talks to other countries about climate change and how America needs to change its policy, even while he rides around on a private jet. And he tells us that the jobs Americans lose because of Biden's climate change policies are going to be replaced by other jobs. He doesn't know and he doesn't care. He just likes to feel better. And it's the same thing with the Iranian negotiations, the Iran deal and so forth. And that Israel example you point out, I mean, John Kerry said that there would be no separate peace between Israel and the Arab states and that those suggesting that Israel could make such peace agreements without the Palestinians being involved were just flat out wrong. And it does bother him that Trump came along a complete political outsider and changed some of the approaches and changed some of the assumptions and went for those peace deals and succeeded. And yeah, he, he just can't stand the idea that somebody might be more successful than he is. He, he has a very high opinion of himself and it's reflected in everything he does. Hmm. Well, I, I think he's a great danger. Um, I actually thought putting him in the climate change file was a good way of getting him out of the country and just he can hang out in five-star hotels and fly first class, private jets, just get him out of America and shut him up. But obviously it looks like he's going to continue to to work on other files um, that he regards himself as some sort of messiah. Joel, it's great to catch up with you. Thanks for taking the time today. Thank you. All right, there we have it. Joel Pollack, Senior Editor-at-Large at Breitbart.com. Stay with us. More ahead. Welcome back to my show last night. Veranda writes, even they consider themselves non-essentials. You're talking about the courts saying we got to gear down. 14 months into this pandemic, you haven't still figured out how to do it. And by the way, in America, most states are either fully or completely, sorry, fully or largely back online. It's very strange to me. Judy writes, in other words, Canada has no justice system, no government, just criminals allowed to roam free with help from police who are working for criminals judges aren't holding accountable. Well, that's a crazy thing. I, I noticed this when I looked at the case of Pastor James Coates out there at Grace Life Church in Edmonton. He was put in the Edmonton Remand Center, maximum security detention facility, very large, one of the largest prisons in Canada. It's in Edmonton. So he was put in there. But when I was researching that prison, I learned that they released... About 400 dangerous, violent, accused criminals, convicted criminals, they released 400 bad guys because of the virus. 
but they put the pastor in. So yeah, I think we are in an upside down moral inversion, aren't we? Well, that's our show for today. Until tomorrow, on behalf of all of us here at Rebel World Headquarters, to you at home, good night, and keep fighting for freedom.